That's amazing. Transforming the world with the good news of Jesus. Everyone say it. You ready? <laughs> Thanks, kids. Thanks. That's beautiful. I was. <laughs> hey, uh, piece of paper. Uh, so Gideon spoke on this last week. It was exciting. Uh, our new mission statement and the values. What were those three words, those three key core values? Presence, passion, purpose. Wow, you guys are scholars. Uh, oh, they're up there. Ah, oh. <laughs> cheats. Uh, yeah, it's funny though. Actually, most scholars agree that that's kind of the purpose of the church. This, um, like you said last week, this upward inward, outward flow of, uh, of the body of Christ. So it's like, it's our ministry uh, to God as priests and his ministry to us as sons and daughters. And then our kingship out there uh, to the world as uh, his ministers. It's cool. Eh? It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hey, so I, I actually spoke in January sometime about presence. Um, it was like a prelude to this uh, this morning, and so this morning really want to talk about this idea of presence. That's, that's the first one in our series of three as we look at the values. So we're going to look at presence, and then passion, and then purpose. So this morning, uh, going to look at presence. Um, does anyone remember that that message? It was actually online, so you know we weren't all sitting here all comfy, nice, but you guys will know. Uh, so we're going to land on this theme. And um, there's so many things that I could speak about because, like, hey, it's the presence of God. Uh, there's just so many things. But I really felt in prayer that um, it's to focus on two particular things. And then I was praying with a group of dudes this week, and one of them confirmed it word for word. And I was like, oh, okay. The, you know, like, I really believe God wants to do something significant this morning. So uh, it was really, really encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so, uh, Folk often talk about the anointing, right? Folk. King folk, you know, people. Uh, yeah, church folk. Christians, right? Like in circles with churches. Yeah, folk. Peeps. My, my posse often speak about the anointing of God, right? This thing, the anointing of God, what is that? Like categorically, I don't know if I can define that. That's, that's really abstract, the anointing of God. I've seen it, heard it uh, used in so many different variable scenarios, and, and we, we just kind of use it here and there. Like, oh, I felt the anointing today, or may the anointing be upon you, and you know, all of that. Like, oh. And so I just wanted to bring a couple of words. Excuse my Kiwi accent here, but uh, is it one of these things? I don't know. Is it the Shekinah glory? Right? It's a, Shekinah is this Hebrew word talks about indwelling, right? Radiant light and fire. Fire. Uh, is it the kabod of God? This weighty, heavy glory. People describe it like liquid honey. Uh, is it the dunamis power of God? That's where we get that word dynamite, yeah. To enact miracles and power and signs and wonders. Uh, is it the galah? That's my Hebrew, galah. Uh, which is really, a, it means the manifest presence of God. So when he reveals himself to us, his nearness and his comfort, and uh, he comes alongside us. You know, I, I don't know, perhaps it's all of the above. Perhaps it's all of that. Uh, perhaps it's, yeah, you agree? That's all right. That's, 
<laughs> That's what I reckon, and perhaps it's all of the above. But colloquially, as church people, folk, kinsmen, uh, in these circles, we talk about it all the time, like the anointing, shifts in atmosphere, right? Um, we're aware of uh, God in our environment, yeah? Uh, that word anointing, though, there's this um, scripture, how many of you all know it? Uh, it's in Isaiah 10:27, and God's speaking to his people in Zion. And uh, he's talking about freeing them from the, ter- uh, the terror of the Assyrians. And he uses this phrase, uh, the anointing breaks the yoke. Yeah? And in Hebrew, that word anointing, shaman, uh, is, in the King James, it translates it as oil. And in the, in the NIV, it translates it as fat. Um, and it's, it represents health. In other words, that you grow so healthy, so fat, if that was a sign of health, you know. Uh, <laughs> that actually that yoke that enslaved you would break off. That the anointing, the presence of God, uh, would make us grow so healthy that we would become free. Yeah, both, both of those translations kind of land at that same destination. So the bottom line is this, really. The bottom line that as a gathering of people, we want to host His presence. We want to host His presence well. We want to be incubators for encouraging individuals, people, whoever comes in, whoever's a part of us in our life groups and our um, coming and going. We want to encourage them that in their everyday lives, they host the presence of God well. And really, it's so that we can become more free, right? That you and I would take the anointing or the presence, the manifest presence of God, we would take that And we would go into our homes, into our jobs, into our schools, into our workplaces, and we would encounter people every moment, every day, uh, releasing freedom everywhere. That's exciting. I'm excited by that. Uh, That gets me going. Yeah. (laughs) Hosting the presence of God. And you know, it's it's as much about a culture, it's as much about um, us cultivating a culture as it is... um, anything else really like essentially we're learning to make him our highest value that that actually the person of holy spirit comes above all else so he is uh he's coming above all other competing demands all other value systems so whether it's our time we, we set him above our time. We want to make, we want to host his presence above the value of time, above uh, our performance. You know, like I said this to Aaron uh, last Sunday, one of my favorite p- moments in worship was when he broke a string and he was going there anyway, but he just held that moment and then just, we're just like, oh, let's just be silent and honor God. And there's this uh, idea of us going, you know what, the greater value is his presence. So above our comfort, above our rights, above um, all the self stuff. Yeah, it's all about Him. And uh, it's, it's so much about Him that actually uh, there's nothing else to it. <laughs> like this is, this, is, this is it. This is what we're here for. And, you know, he, he does the wooing. He does the, uh, the saving. He does the... Uh, the everything he does, he enacts change in our lives. He's the one. It's only him. It's only him. So why, oh why, oh why, um, wouldn't we just pour our lives out in pursuit of him? Like actually, that's the one thing. 
to spend our lives knowing Him, to know Him, to get to know Him. That's the one thing. I'm going to cry now. Hang on. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I, when I say get to know Him, it may be intellectually. Like, yes, that's a part of it, this cognitive ascent to, to Him, who He is. But I think more so than that, it's experientially. I think more so it's actually to be with Him. So, um, and I don't, I don't want to, if you've never felt Holy Spirit before, I don't want to discourage you. <laughs> if that's your journey so far, this is not about conformity to a particular, um, you, know, you know, you've got to feel Him this way, or you've got to pray this way, or you've got to uh, encounter Him like I have, or something like that. That's not what this is about. Because, um, you know, actually, as soon as conformity kicks in, as soon as we get into that modalism or like, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, model or structure or like all that, um, trying to make it happen, then we lose sight of the main thing, (laughs) which is Him. We've elevated something, you know, over the faith that we need to have, that there's freedom in His presence. Yeah. So, all that to say uh, that collectively, as Harmonites as a church, as the body of Christ, that we are developing a culture, and the culture is about us knowing Him. You know, or you could put it this way you put it this way as we grow in our intimate relationship with Holy Spirit, then our culture is congruent with the one that we love the most. So, my question to you is how do we host Him? It's, it's kind of rhetorical because we'll get there, but uh, think about that. Hold that in your heart. How do I host you? Holy Spirit, what does that look like? How do I uh, increase you in my life? Well, first of all, um, He's a person. He's a person. And that's, that's our, our failure to define God because He's so mysterious and so mystical, uh, the attributes of the Godhead, that we, we actually often reduce the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, to less than a person. Yeah, but he's a person. He's not a force, although he's powerful and he's an endowment of power. Uh, he's not. He's not a feeling, although you can feel him. Yeah, uh, he's not. Um, he's not an influence, although he, he's the best thing to be influenced by. <laughs> yeah, um, but he's an entity. He is a person, and Scripture confirms this like a, a million different ways. Uh, expresses his characteristics, his attributes through poetry, through um, you know, simile, through metaphor, through personification, through all these things to attempt to try and you know, express who this person is. You know, like how do you put God in a box? You, you can't. Like, how do you define God? Like, God's the only one. Actually, he put himself in a box one time. That was weird. And he was like, don't touch this or you'll... Yeah. Anyway, uh, but, but we are learning to, to find out who He is by spending time with Him, by knowing Him. Um, yeah. And, and I want to say uh, this morning that actually you, we, only, um, we only actually understand uh, sort of how to appropriate His work, His power, by knowing His personhood. So know him first, right? And then see what happens in your life and through life. Yeah. So the, the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you with power, right? We can all agree on that. Yeah. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory over temptation. Praise the Lord, right? Thank you. 
He wants to give you victory over temptation. He wants to instruct you in his word. He wants to open up the scriptures to you, make them come alive, make them pop off the page. You know, he wants to fill you with wisdom, with revelation. He wants to equip you for ministry, you know, out there with your friends, anywhere. Uh, but above all else, do you know, above all of that, do you know what he really longs for? He, he really longs for fellowship with you and me. That's, that's, that's actually his heart. He really longs to bring us into the very presence of God Almighty. And actually, uh, he makes known the Father to us and his Son in our hearts and in our lives. So to host his presence is to be with him. To host his presence, actually to invite him to come and spend time with us and actually enjoy one another's company. Yeah? So he, he was at your, he, he was working on your heart long before you knew him. Like before you even had any concept of who is Christianity and what is God and all that sort of stuff. Uh, actually every born again believer um, suddenly shifts from, from that to receiving him. You know, and if you've experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit, then he actually takes up permanent residence inside your life, inside here, within you, behind your puku. Yeah, yeah. He's, omni- he's omnipresent, but he's living in here behind my puku. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go too deeply into the theology of the Holy Spirit because that could take months. Um, but uh, I like my friend Bill puts it this way. You guys know Bill? Uh, he says that the church, which is us, the body of Christ, uh, we actually owe the world an encounter with a living God. We, we owe the world an encounter with an alive and living God that they may encounter uh, Him, they may be encountered by Him and His presence and His power. That's, that's amazing. He, he says um, He's in you for your sake, but He's on you for the sake of others. That, that kind of blows your mind right there. So two things I want to speak about this morning. And the first one uh, is intimacy. Okay? So uh, I feel like he's been speaking loudly about this um, for some time now. <laughs> but actually, he's been speaking loudly about this since the beginning of time. Um, that actually to host his presence is always all about intimacy. That's, that's, that's just what it's about. Hosting experience is always about intimacy. So we come to him to be with him. And it's, um, it's not simply for what he's, we can receive. It's just to be with him. That's the reason. That's the why. There's this divine order in that. Like, um, there's, if you come to him with your Santa Christmas list, you know, of, of I need this and I need this and I need this, then you skip the main thing that you're going to miss out on, which is him, which is the whole point. You know, and the Bible is full of this. I love, um, I love how it expresses being closeness, uh, the closeness with God or the, the knowing of God. Uh, you know, you see, in, um, you see in Adam, Enoch, Noah, they got to walk with God whether it's in the cool of the garden or the heat of the desert, they got to walk with God. Uh, Abraham was called a friend of God. He got to be friends with them. Our friends hang out, right, in my opinion, uh, unless you're one of those online people. Um, (laughs) 
Moses, right? Moses, Moses knew God face to face. Like he got to come face to face with him. That's intimate. Where you get to feel one another's breath and you get to look into each other's eyes. That's close. John, uh, John had talked about him um, sort of reclining on Jesus' chest, right? Like that's, he's just hanging out and sitting with Jesus. Like they were that close. That's brotherhood right there. Uh, I love it in Amos 3.7, it says this, um, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his intimate secret counsels to his servants, the prophets. What? Intimate secret counsels. There's this idea um, of secrets, right? It's, it's not just like heavenly knowledge, but it's like you can imagine that God's sitting down and he opens up uh, his, his plans with his friends. He shares something confidential. Yeah, and actually, the the Hebrew word there is um is that they would recline. They were sitting down on pillows or cushions. Yeah, you, know, you can imagine him sitting in a, some sort of nomad tent in the desert, and he's discussing matters of life and intimacy and speaking softly with God. That's a picture of intimacy. It's side by side, and it's it's quiet, and it's um, you know, it's not the voice of the earthquake or the fire or the thunder. It's it's the whisper of God. And the knowing part in Scripture, uh, not to be uh, crude or anything, is actually often used in sexual terms. So there's, it just exemplifies the depth of intimacy, to be close, to be warm, and even passionate with the Spirit. That's what He desires to have with us. Okay? So um, if you're taking notes this morning, which I know you all are, uh, <laughs> I, the first, first key to intimacy with the Holy Spirit is hunger. Hunger, okay? Have you ever, uh, you put your hand up actually, has anyone ever put uh, diesel in a petrol car or vice versa? Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome, I love it. Of course. Uh, <laughs> heavenly minded, eh? Um, so what do you have to do? You have to get a hose, right? And you have to siphon that out. You have to, not you, uh, someone did it for you. You have to suck on that hose and you have to, you know, until the fluid starts running, yeah? So spiritual thirst uh, draws his anointing like a siphon. Fluids, uh, sorry, a siphon draws fluid uh, from a full container to an empty one, right? You with me? You with me, Samuel? You with me? All right. So you're the empty vessel in that analogy, right? You got that? You're the empty vessel, and his fullness overflows you, but you must have a longing, there's this yearning, there's this, uh, this sort of sanctified desperation, this thirst, this starvation for him. Yeah, and so he manifests his presence and power to those who yearn for his touch in their lives. I know he does it sovereignly, and I've seen that, and that's amazing. But for us as believers, growing in intimacy with him, he responds to our hunger. So as we open our hearts to Holy Spirit, um, he will pour out his presence upon us uh, I love this phrase here. This is uh, somebody else coined this, but it says, thirsty souls, oh, sorry, uh, his presence will be poured out upon thirsty souls like torrential rains upon the parched earth. His presence will become so real and tangible. The cracked earthen vessels, which is us, the cracked earthen vessels that we are, are healed of their brokenness because of his presence. And life returns, life returns. 
Isaiah 44.3 says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. See, many people are spiritually parched, right? They're barren, they're empty, and their lives are dry. But only those who actually thirst for his presence will be filled to overflowing, to overflowing. So only those who yearn for him, to, to know him and yield to him uh, in faith, get to experience the power and the presence of God in their lives. What does that mean? And this is, um, this is heavy, but it means that you're responsible. You're, like, ultimately, you're responsible for the level of presence in your life. Yeah? Because if, if, you know, if we ask, what does he do? He gives us the desires of our hearts. He, he gives. Yeah. So if you've asked and you haven't received yet, keep asking. Keep asking because he's, he's just as, uh, he, it's, it's from his heart. He wants this more than you do. <laughs> yeah, it's coming from him. Okay, so the second key to intimacy uh, with Holy Spirit is surrender. It got quiet. Um, there's, there's nothing more profoundly humbling uh, or, or even honoring than to express um, our love to God, our love to the Lord through surrender. You know, surrender to His Holy Spirit every day. You know, can, can everybody have encounters with God? Yes, categorically, yes. Thank you. Uh, we can all encounter the Holy Spirit, His presence, His power. Absolutely. There's no special gift. There's nothing that you have to possess, right? He is the gift. But receiving Him and all that He possesses is only really possible through surrender. The question is not, do I have the gift? The question is actually, have I surrendered all to Him? See, surrender is, um, surrender is a posture of your heart. Surrender is, is a response. It's not a striving. It's not an effort. It's a response. And so here's, here's how the process begins. Um, you find a moment, a still moment. Sometimes that's really hard. I get that. <laughs> but you find a still moment. And you just you allow yourself to open up to Him. You know, it might take worship, it might take prayer, it might take scripture reading, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter what it takes. It might take just being out in nature. But what it, what it does is just you start to expose something in you. Like, hey, here's a brokenness. Or there's an opportunity for vulnerability. And instead of running from it, that vulnerable place, instead of um, going to our sort of protective measures, you actually, you actually go there with him. And suddenly... You know, it's slow, but it's all of a sudden. Suddenly, uh, his presence intensifies in your midst. Suddenly, um, you find yourself going to a place where you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my life. Like, I will surrender everything. I, I hand over my thoughts, those emotions that I had this morning. I hand over my future. I hand over my dreams. I surrender my failures. I surrender my successes. I surrender my, my pride. I surrender my, my insecurities. My life is yours. Yes, that's all I want right now. In this moment, that's all I want. My life is yours. I surrender everything. Eric Gilmore puts it this way. Without my heart laid at your feet, I often take, 
I often try to take your seat. Without my heart laid at your feet, I often try to take your seat. Matthew 16. You with me? Matthew 16, uh, verse 24 to 28. Um, So Jesus has just been sharing with his disciples, right? And he's been sharing about the path of, uh, that he has to choose, yeah? The path, essentially the cup of suffering, how he has to surrender to his father's will, yeah? He's just shared that to his disciples and, and Peter rebukes him. And Jesus, he recognizes the temptation to not surrender to the father. And he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, you all know that scripture, that passage. Then Jesus says to his disciples, he says this, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You see, in my humble opinion, he is the only one perfectly trustworthy he is the only one perfectly trustworthy for you to surrender to so your trust in him with more of yourself you trust him with more and more of yourself and do you know what he does in return he trusts you with more of himself that's a beautiful picture of of surrender I've heard someone describe it this way, that if uh, the classic picture of a dove, the Holy Spirit was to descend upon you and land on your shoulder, uh, what does it look like for you to move with the awareness of his presence there all the time? And that's what surrender looks like. Like if he's there and I'm walking down these stairs, I'm aware that there's this dove and if I startle him, if I shake him, if I get weird, do something random, you know? But if I live with the awareness of that dove on my shoulder, then actually I learn uh, to become uh, at one, a person of rest. The spirit of rest descends on a person of rest. So you yield, you yield over. Okay, Uh, so that was intimacy. And you can see we could camp there for like a lifetime. And and I think that's the intent of the heart of God. Um, But the second important thing I really want to talk about in terms of hosting His presence is obedience. Um, And I, I see a couple of you got a bit tense when I said that word. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, man. But I felt really impressed on me to share this um, around the area of obedience. And uh, do you know what? Before I understood grace, this this particular passage I'm going to read to you really grinded me. Um, I, I, I struggled with it. Um, but now I really love it. Now it's life to me. So it's this John fourteen fifteen to 17. It says, if you love me, you will obey me. What? <laughs> if you love me, you will obey me. I'll ask my Father, and He will give you another one to help you, Holy Spirit, uh, and, you will, and He will be there with you always. That's so too small to read. Hang on. Uh, he will send you. Uh, another one to help you, and he will be with you always. He will send you the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive the true spirit because it does not see or know him, but you, uh, but you know him because he is with you, and he will be in you. Wow. Man, but yeah, as I say, before I understood 
grace, that passage really grinded me because, uh, you know, that's big. <laughs> that's big. If you love me, you will obey me. You know, but intimacy, as that grows, uh, you know, obedience flows out of that. Like it's actually a lot easier. And so instead of um, me having to live up to the standard and become something and live to the law and, and you know, obedience earns my, uh, my right to come before him, it's the opposite. It's flipped on his head like Gideon shared with us last week. You know, I get to live from his obedience and go towards him. And do you know what happens? Instead of having to obey, I want to. Like everything in my heart changes and I, I just want to. Like, why would I not want to? Like, I love it. I love him. And so obedience comes naturally. It's actually easier. Sweet. Obedience uh, here is really to his voice. You know, like as you obey his voice, his, his voice increases in your life. You know, there's been plenty of times where God, God has prompted me to do really weird things. Uh, good things too, but like, uh, even you know, odd things that I don't really understand. And, uh, and when I obeyed him, his voice increased in my life. And I can say that the opposite is true. That actually, uh, I've heard his voice and I have ignored him and then I've gotten dull on hearing. Yeah? So who doesn't want to hear the voice of God more? <laughs> you know, who doesn't want to, to know him in that way? Um, see, he, he, he'll, never, he'll never leave you. He's promised that. He'll, he's never going to leave you. Uh, but his felt presence at times does get silenced. You know, it's not punishment. He's just waiting for us to return to what I already said. Um, sometimes God in his grace, I think he's constantly, uh, he's constantly kind of measuring us. You know, he wants to release to you a measure that will um, release you and not crush you, that will be life-giving to you. And obedience is always about uh, trust. It's always about trust. But your character is what grows in the process. And the delay is always about alignment. Thanks, Catherine. Waiting for your character to align with Jesus. Waiting for your, um, to, your mind to stop being governed by the flesh to stop allowing your feelings to dictate. You know, feelings are uh, an, awful, an awful master. Great servant, but being governed by the Spirit is what it looks like to be obedient. Mm. I'm going to finish on this, this passage here. Um, this is from Genesis, Genesis 26. And it's, um, it's a strange scripture, but I just felt God highlighted it to me. So here we go. Uh, Isaac moves to this place called Gerea. And uh, Abimelech is there. He's the king of Philistines. And um, God appears to Isaac, and he reaffirms that promise that he made to his father Abraham. Yeah, that I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to the nations. And this is what he says in verse 5. This is the reason why. You know, we know that, um, that God accredited righteousness to Abraham because uh, of his faith. It says in verse 5 here, Because Abraham hearkened to my voice, and kept my charge, kept my commandments, kept my statutes, and kept my laws. That's why I blessed him. That's the reason why. And then the story goes, it's a bit odd. Isaac is like, hey, Rebecca's my sister. Uh, and the king's like, oh, she's hot. And then he's like, no, nah, just kidding. She's actually my wife. Um, and that was all a bit strange. But then uh, Isaac then responds with obedience. 
and he's really blessed because of it. He, there's a lot of provision to the point where the king's like, you can leave because you're bigger than me now. You've outgrown my kingdom. So yeah, in verse 23, it says this, All right, it, God appears to Isaac and he affirms that the promise that he made to his father. And he says, because he hearkened to my voice, and this is, this is what I love. This is Isaac's response. And this is the first time Isaac, in my opinion, from what I see in Scripture, this is what the first time there is intimacy in Isaac's life. He then worships. That's his response. It's the first indication that we see where um, he develops intimacy in his life with God. Because I think that obedience and intimacy go hand in hand. Which is a byproduct of which, I don't know, (laughs) chicken, egg. But here's the first indication in Isaac's life of intimacy, and it's because of his obedience. See, encounter and intimacy are a natural byproduct of obedience. You know, they go hand in hand. They're like two gloves. They're cyclic. We've got to put them both on. <laughs> so I'd love it if you stand with me. Love it if the team came up. See, hosting His presence is always about intimacy. It's always about obedience. If you want to grow in intimacy with the Lord, what does that take? Will you get honest with Him? You get hungry and you surrender yourself to Him. So we believe as a church that we owe the world an encounter with God. And our lives, as we go in about our day, we actually get to express the intimacy we have with Him to other people around us. We're, we're here to meet with Him this morning. We're going to go into an extended time of worship because we, we really want to just spend time dwelling in His presence. What does it feel like to be overshadowed by Him? This one, the Holy Spirit, the one altogether lovely to be transformed by His presence into His likeness. So uh, we just, if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands. If you feel uncomfortable, just be obedient. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we want more of You. We want to be closer to You. We want to be deeper, more in love with you. We want to feel you nearer. We want to live for an audience of one. I ask this morning that you would give us a fresh touch of your presence with us. So our only desire, our highest value is you. That we would make space for you this morning. We would enter into your presence.
And we just honor you this morning. We express our love to you this morning, our affection, our heart of worship and adoration and desire. Come, come and keep on coming. This is the train of your robe filled the temple with glory and it kept on filling and we are your little temples, (laughs) your little houses, your tabernacles, your abodes. So keep on filling us, Lord. Keep on filling us to overflowing.